Chad? Yeah. Why do you hate me? What did I do? What did I do to make you want to inflict this upon me? Really? You didn't like the movie? Uh, it was better than Revenge of the Bridesmaids. I will give it that. Oh, I think it was even better than that. I mean, honestly, <laughs> do your intro, but I think we're going to disagree on this one. Okay. So, hello, everyone. I am Al. And with me, my dear co-host, Chad. And today we are going to be doing a review of another film. This one called Troy, The Odyssey from 2017. And, you know, I knew I was in for a treat when the opening credits started in two words appeared on the screen. What are those words, Al? The Asylum. When I okay. saw those two words, I could I could hear that Darth Vader voice inside me going, No! Yes, but you've got to remember, Al, you had first chance to pick a movie, and you didn't. Yeah, that's true. We were thinking so of... So I went out... So I went out and found one that looked interesting to me. I, I actually really enjoy the Odyssey. It looked kind of cheesy because the, the, the picture that they have on Netflix kind of looks almost like a Transformer movie. You know, like the like the like the front of a Transformer DVD or something like that. Yeah. But that said, I still think that um, this this was not a bad movie and we'll get into it and why I didn't think it was a bad movie. Okay. Now was, was it the best, was it the best acted movie ever? No. Was it, um, you know, the, the, um, I don't even know what the word is, is, you know, was, was it the best written movie ever? No. Did they fuck up the Kraken? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. those things aside, we'll, we'll talk about the movie, but I really think it's better than what what I'm hearing from you. Yeah, and again, it wasn't. It was better than Revenge of the Bride, Bridesmaids. I will give it that. But I have to say, there were a lot of what the fuck moments in this movie, and we'll talk. There about, were. There yeah, were. we'll be talking about those. One of the things that surprised me though is that they didn't release this movie in 2004. And why is that? It's because it's an asylum movie. And usually what the Asylum does, they make they have mastered the art of making a movie called The Mockbuster. So these are movies that they're designed to invoke a similar feeling, like they might appeal to the audience of another film. Uh, for example, they made one called Transmorphers, which they released around the same time as Transformers. Uh, and okay. When the second Transformers movie, Revenge of the Fallen, came out, they released one called Transmorphers, Fall of Man. So they do a lot of stuff like that, where they make these movies around the time a, a blockbuster movie is going to be released, because they want to try to capture some of that hype. So, okay. Or like if there's a... You know, there, if there's a King Arthur movie that's been highly, uh, you know, highly advertised and is highly anticipated, then they might release their own King Arthur movie. 
And from what I've heard, some of their uh, their movies have almost gotten them in trouble because, you know, obviously they're accusing them of plagiarizing. Now, right. in a case like this, even if they did release it around the time of the 2004 Brad Pitt movie, they wouldn't have had to worry about really the plagiarism because the movies would actually overlap where, cause I don't know about you have, um, cause I have read the Iliad when I was in college. I've never read the Odyssey. I've read them both, but it's been a long time. Yeah. And the thing that, uh, they would actually feed into each other is because, uh, Troy that takes place during the Trojan war and up to the end with the, the famous Trojan horse. Whereas, you know, and that's the Iliad. Whereas the Odyssey is like the sequel to the Iliad, where the, you know, it, it starts off with Odysseus and his men after they're leaving uh, Troy to, to try to return home to Greece. So we're going to discuss... Well, more, more specifically to Ithaca, which is a small island nation yeah, near Greece. Okay, so before we talk more about the movie and, you know, some of the things that maybe, you know, Chad liked about it, some of the things I liked about it, where we agree, where we disagree, just uh, one quick announcement before we begin. Welcome to Bone Thrower's Theater. Nah, it's not that kind of show. It's an RPG actual play podcast. My name is Jordan, and I'm joined by our fun-loving cast. This is Aaron. Jeff here. Johnny is my name. And I'm Jeremy. And what we do is dive in and play various tabletop RPG systems and games, such as Mini 6, Fiasco, Inspectors, Monster of the Week, Fate, and more. But no matter the rule set or setting, some pretty intense storytelling hits the fan. So whether you like epic fantasy, adventure, comedy, sci-fi, Horror, or just horrifically bad puns. We've got something to feast your imagination on. Listen to our full episodes and more at BoneThrowersTheater.com. And may the bones fall ever in your favor. So on to the movie, Troy, The Odyssey. So I would have to say, see, I don't know. I would have to say that this is how not to adapt Greek mythology to a movie. I'm not saying that it can't be done because, I mean, you look at, you know, Clash of the Titans from 1981. Mm -hmm. It was a really good movie. And there have been other uh, good movies that were based on Greek mythology. Uh, I know um, Lou Ferrigno, uh, he did several movies based on Hercules. Uh, Now, have you ever seen the the Hercules movie that uh, Dwayne Johnson did? I've seen bits and pieces of it. Yeah, I, I I bought it because I found it at Goodwill in the metal container for like three bucks, and I started to watch it. And I, my wife really likes it, but I was just like, ah, it didn't do anything for me. Yeah, and I've I did see part of the the remake of Clash of the Titans, and I started watching the beginning of Wrath of the Titans, but. It didn't really hook me in uh, as much. And, you know, and of course, we've seen Greek mythology appear all over the place in pop culture. Uh, of course, mm-hmm. uh, Disney, they made their own version of Hercules. There was which, the... 
which is funny. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I liked it. I mean, they took a definitely took a new spin on it, but then again, you look at the relationship between Zeus and Hera. <laughs> you can't take some of that stuff and put it into a kid's movie. Well, no, and you know, and there's things like the way they did Hades, so he wasn't scary. Yeah, I thought they did Hades very well. I mean, you still got the idea that he was the bad guy, but not to the point of what it's like in the actual writings. Yeah, and I did like how uh, the theme of that particular movie was Hercules going from the you know this you know this young man into a hero, and how he had the uh, fill the uh, the satyr that was his you know like his coach. So mm-hmm. all in all, I did like that one. And did you ever watch much of uh, Hercules: The Legendary Journeys? Hercules and Xena, I watched um, frequently, but not like I didn't like sit down. Like I didn't have to see it every week. But I have seen bits and pieces of both series, and I enjoyed both of them. Uh, you know, Xena has Lucy Lawless in it, so what's not to enjoy? And you know, Hercules has Kevin Sorbo in it, which is actually one of the biggest drawbacks for me for that Hercules series. See, and the thing is, I wasn't a diehard fan of either series. Um, I would watch the occasional episode. Uh, my roommate in college, he would occasionally watch. Uh, he actually watched it before it became a series. It was like more of like miniseries where there were these made okay. TV movies. Now, granted, okay. the Kevin Sorbo version of Hercules didn't look like the Hercules we we most people picture, but it wasn't bad. I I didn't mind it. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't great, but it definitely wasn't bad. It was it was definitely nineties made for TV one hour episode type of TV. Yeah. So on to this movie though. Now, is it just me? Or did they almost try to make Odysseus look like Sean Bean? Specifically his Ned Stark character. I don't know who Sean Bean nor nor, uh, Ned Stark are. So I'm going to say, I don't know. What rock are you living in? Or living under, Um, rather. (laughs) It's granite. It's heavy. Well, because, you know, Sean Bean, uh, well, you've seen the Fellowship of the Ring, right? Yes. You know, he played Boromir in that. Okay. He had a similar appearance with kind of the longish hair and the beard. He had that in uh, Game of Thrones. That's where he was Ned Stark. Okay. So that's where that was. Game of Thrones, I've watched exactly one episode, was not impressed, never watched it again. Boobs. Am I in trouble now? What's that? Are you hanging up on me now? No. (laughs) No, have you ever, um, if you have a chance after we're done, Go to uh, YouTube and look up Honest Trailers for Game of Thrones. It's funny. Okay. But anyways. Okay. So anyways, back to the thing. And I guess one of the things... Now, I'm not really familiar with the Odyssey, but I know a little bit about some of the characters. And I guess this is one of the things that really kind of turned... Well, I wouldn't say it really turned me off, but I wasn't a fan of how they... How they they visualized most of the characters. Odysseus, the guy playing him, and just like I've got the uh, database up here, um, Dylan Vox, 
he was okay. Uh, but like I said, it just I noticed it seemed like they were trying to make him look like uh, Sean Bean from Game of Thrones. And I thought that they were just kind of trying to make him look like Russell Crowe. And my, you know, that's kind of the way I saw it. Hmm. But, you know, okay, you know, like Russell Crowe in like 300 or something like, well, no, was he in 300? Yeah, he was in 300. No, no he, wasn't. he was in Gladiator. Oh, Gladiator, Gladiator, yeah. Sorry. And, and the guy who was in 300, too, the guy that they, they sprayed because he couldn't build, get a real six-pack. Eric Bana, I think. <laughs> is that what his name is? Yeah, the one playing. kind of like, that's, that's, that's the feeling I got from is they were trying to make him this, you know, epic um, character that was, you know, to be looked up to and to be this, this well, godlike thing, to for lack of a spoiler there. Um, but, you know... I didn't think – I thought his character played pretty well to what I remember of the books as far as how he played it. My biggest problem with all of the characters is I don't think English was their first language for any of them. <laughs> that I'm not sure. But yeah, there there was this interesting melting pot of accents. Yes. And another one that I wasn't really too crazy about. Uh, actually, before we get to the ones I wasn't too crazy about, let's talk next about Achilles. Now, I thought the guy who played him, uh, see, I'm not sure how his first name is pronounced, uh, Ian O'Brien. I okay. thought he definitely had the physical presence to play a character like Achilles. But that costume they put him in, oh, <laughs> God! I mean, what was wrong? Okay, okay. I'm not saying I disagree with you, but verbalizes what was wrong with the costume they put him in. Well, there wasn't much there. I mean, I, granted, I know that Achilles is practically He's invincible. Yes, it doesn't yeah, matter. But even in the even when Brad Pitt played him in Troy, he still wore armor. And I remember watching. Um, when I took classic and medieval literature in college, we mm-hmm. watched a movie that was, I forgot the name of it, but it was based on one of the plays that was a prequel to the Iliad when they were about to set sail. And they had a okay. guy playing uh, Achilles in that one who, again, he wore armor. So I think that they did Achilles right, and I'll tell you why. Okay. So let's jump into role-playing. Let's talk gaming for a second here. If you have, well, let's see, what would be something similar? Let's say you have natural armor and skin bark, or bark skin, or whatever that that spell is. And you can get your AC to negative six. I'm talking second ed here now. I'm talking your language. So let's say with that spell, which you would have saved at all times, and you have natural armor, you get down to a negative six AC. Are you going to wear armor? What I didn't like is they didn't put any armor on his heel. That you is true. know that, you know, and that, that, that was the thing that made me mad about that because I always picture Achilles as being kind of loinclothy, kind of the way they did it, but he would have like a metal plate or something around that area that, you know, wasn't dipped into the river sticks. His Achilles heel? Yes. <laughs> but if you are impervious, you can move a whole lot better without armor than you can in armor. 
Okay, I, I well, and I guess I don't remember if he was just like well, I suppose if he was impervious and someone hit him with a weapon, it would wouldn't do anything to him. But I don't know. Yeah, as far as I, as far as I remember, and I and I could ask my wife about this because she's big into into the this kind of stuff. But as far as I know, the only way to kill Achilles was through his heel. Yep, that's correct. And I just got a, I just got a correct from the from the living room. So. It didn't matter. He didn't need to wear armor. He could have walked around naked with a metal pad on his heel and be done with it. Well, let's talk about someone who was not invincible and probably could have used some more armor. And that was uh, Lara Heller, who was playing Circe. Well, I don't know. I kind of liked her in the outfit they put her in. Yeah, not very practical for combat. I guess uh, maybe they are trying to aim for that role-player game crowd. But Well, you know, but she is a Trojan. Well, here's the thing, though. Safe. In the original Odyssey, I don't think she was a Trojan. Uh, and they made her a priestess, where in, in mythology, or actually a warrior priestess, and in mythology, she, she was the sorceress who turned Odysseus's men into pigs. And okay. maybe this kind of bothered me, too, and just looking at it more from a historical perspective, sometimes she was seemed like she was the only smart one in the party. Oh, absolutely. And now, hold on a second. If you don't mind, Al, and, and if Nikki doesn't mind, can I drag her in for this discussion? Sure. Do you remember in mythology what Cersei was? She was? Was she a warrior priestess? I thought she was a witch. Yeah, that's what Al was saying. As we go through mythology, if you want to kind of hang with us, that would be kind of cool. Let me do some uh, looking up on some of these things. It's been a while. Okay. Well, go on with your thought then, Al. You were correct. She was the witch that turned people into pigs. Yes. Maybe we should have had Dawn join us for this. She could get some good insight too. But anyways, so, I mean, I guess the reason I didn't really like that is because as I recall, well, I mean, I don't mind seeing you know, a smart woman in a party of dumb men. Um, but as I recall, in Greek culture, women didn't really have that much of a privileged status in most cases. I mean, I think Sparta was the exception, but anyways. So that that characterization of her wasn't too crazy of, just because it wasn't really accurate. Now, mm-hmm. the guy playing King Agamemnon, yeah, I like yeah, that. the the Greek the um the Trojan king. Yeah, I don't know. Is, was, it, is it just me? But did he did it? Did he remind you of Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds? Uh with that jutting jaw, absolutely. And that bothered me. I mean, I don't know if he was doing something where if they gave him a prosthetic chin or if that's just how his face is structured. But the fact that he was running mm-hmm. and walking around with like his neck thrust forward and his chin out like that, I couldn't take him seriously. What what's the actor's name who played King Agamemnon? David Blazjeko. Okay. Blaise, yeah. Because he kind of reminds me. He's kind of got the look of one of these wrestlers. Because I watch wrestling, mm-hmm. um, and his name is Lars something other. But of course, it's not his real name. But he looked an awful lot like that guy. Yeah, he. But, I could definitely see that guy as a professional wrestler or playing one in a movie. And I think he would fit that part. But just, I don't know, I did not like his performance. Uh, and I thought, I might be wrong on this, but I thought uh, Agamemnon was a lot older than Odysseus was. Yeah, most likely. Um 
but I, I don't think that really holds one way or the other in the show. I mean, that, I don't think that, that makes a difference one way or the other, personally. Okay. But and I then, think you're right. The other main character we're going to talk about here is King uh, Priam, played by Ego Mikitas. I don't know. He didn't... His costume sucked. And, and actually, I noticed that a lot of the costuming in this movie... Well, I mean, some of the, the female costumes were, were good, but a lot of the male costumes, they looked like cheap, bad cosplay. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Kind of. I mean, I, I know that Asylum movies don't have large budgets, but like yeah, I said... Isn't Asylum, isn't Asylum one of those groups that they're like known for one takes? Oh, like they just make one one-shot movies? Right, right. Yeah, and, you know, I think they've probably done a few other historical fantasy-type movies, and it wouldn't surprise me if we did watch some of those types of movies, because I think they did do a King Arthur one. It wouldn't surprise me if some of the costumes and stuff that uh, appeared in that movie or some of their other movies made their way into this one as well. But, Mm -hmm. like I said, I just... I don't know. It just... It just bothered me. Um, he didn't have the presence. He didn't have the presence or the feel of a king. Uh, he seemed almost like a Monty Python version of a king. I don't know. Is that is it just me? No, you're, you're talking about the Greek king, right? Or the Trojan uh, king, right? Correct. Priam. Yeah, he was. I I did not understand that character at all. Yeah. Um, not not only verbally because he had the heaviest accent of anybody in the show. But also just the way they built that character. It was a throwaway character that could have been so much more, I yeah. think. That's just that, that that's just of course my opinion, but I thought some characters developed really well. They developed the Odysseus character, they developed this uh this the this uh Circe character. They even developed um the old man that stayed with the Sirens when everybody else left. Yep. Um, old, old Thomas. What's that? Old Thelonious, that's yes. it. Yeah, the, we'll get to him and the old guy in just a moment, but let's, uh, now that we've talked a little bit about the characters and how we felt about uh, them, let's go into the actual movie itself, where okay. it starts out um, in the final days of the Trojan War, where uh, we have Agamemnon, Achilles, and Odysseus, uh, planning the how they're going to penetrate the walls of Troy. And then we get the little flashback scene where, you know, Odysseus and his wife, and we find out that she's pregnant and getting close to giving birth. And, you know, of course, uh, Agamemnon uh, is assuring Achilles that, not Achilles, is assuring uh, Odysseus Odysseus. Yep, that, oh, this is just going to be a few weeks. Right, and the Trojan War ends up taking like 10 years. Yep, and then as I recall, he took, didn't he take like another 10 years just trying to get home? Yeah, yeah. I mean, by the time he gets home, that kid is, you know, 20 years old, 21 yep. years old, something like that. Yeah, and actually that's one of the other characters, um, let's see, played by Dan Reynolds. I actually didn't mind his performance either, but he actually did a pretty good job at it as well. To me, he seemed to be a little, um, I don't know, he seemed a little sissy to me. Okay, fair enough. For that, char- for that character. But, you know, again, 
what people have to remember is if they disagree with us, that's fine. We we are just telling our opinions. But anyway, yeah, I just I did not like the son character until the end. That's true. Well, that's only in we- the end. I liked him. Okay. Well, but. And we'll get to that part in a moment. And yeah, I do agree. I did like his performance later on in the movie. But back to the start of the movie. So King uh, Priam, Cersei, and some other dude are just kind of walking and doesn't really explain why they're walking. I mean, if if your city was under siege, would you really have the king go out for a walk with just two people? Absolutely. (laughs) Would you? Of course. If I, was, if I was the enemy and I wanted to take over his kingdom, I would absolutely do that. So while they're just walking out, that's when they notice the famous Trojan horse on the beach. And then they take it to the city where, I don't know, the overhead view of the city, that didn't look like something they probably would have had in 1100 BC. No. Yeah, that no. was... And I absolutely love the fact that as they're dragging this horse into into town, um, they're inside this thing just talking away. Just and I'm like, you're gonna be heard, you know. And nobody ever brings that up. Exactly. <laughs> they're just like, I'm like, okay, I, I guess. And then the next scene is them letting the Greek army in, all twelve of them. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean. Exactly. And, you know, when they're, you know, I was just thinking when they're inside the horse, you know what would really suck? What if one of them had really bad gas? <laughs> that was also the smallest Trojan horse I've ever seen. Exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, come on. They're not even trying to disguise the fact that this is a low budget film. But, yeah, they you know, have. Honestly, two years ago when I did Spam a lot, I think our Trojan bunny was bigger. <laughs> so, anyways. Uh, but yeah, they, and one of, this isn't one of the other issues that I noticed is when they have the overshot, when they first bring the horse into the city, you know, it looks like they're bringing it into like the town square, but then, and when it cuts to the night, it's like, but right by the gate. Now, granted, when they cut back to the, the overview of the city at night, they didn't have the horse in the same place. So that was a good, uh, continuity bit of continuity there but it's like they never showed him taking it back to the gators uh, that didn't that, right that, that makes no sense well you gotta you gotta suspend disbelief sometimes oh yes <laughs> uh, anyways so finally Isn't after that we love movies because we get to take those two hours or in this case hour and 37 minutes and just step away from reality. I mean, isn't that what it's about? Yeah, that's true. But and there is one, there is one glaringly obvious error they made later on, which I, I, I'm not going to talk about it yet. Of course, don't want to get too far ahead. But I'm curious if you caught this as well as if I caught. If I was the only one that caught it, or if you saw it too. But okay, we'll, well, get, we'll there. get there. So, and this is another one of those what the moments when they were going to, King Priam was going to summon the Kraken. And he did something where like he cut his throat to drip blood into something and he raises his sword and uses it to zap Odysseus with lightning. Because he's a Trojan. Oh yeah! 
I because think remember I'm, later on that comes into play again. Yeah, that yeah, that is true. Um, but still, it's like, what the heck is this? Like now, Mortal Kombat or something? You know, I'm gonna raise my sword at you, I'm gonna shoot some lightning at you. I don't know. I don't know why he killed himself. That makes no sense. Well, I think it's because they realized that the city was pretty much done for. So they were, he was willing to do it's that. It's like the captain going down with the ship. Yeah. The captain going down with the ship. And what you're saying. So this is when, okay. So Troy falls and uh, Agamemnon uh, lets Odysseus and his men go. And they take Helen, not Helen. I'm sorry. They take Circe with them. For a very important well, reason. In, in in the poem, they took Helen with them. But anyway. Well, they didn't. Yeah, but Circe, in the movie here, they actually took her for a very important reason, which I think you were going to try to get at just a moment ago. Yes. They took her to, to block the curse of the Kraken. Because the Kraken would not attack when there's a Trojan. So. And is it? But we found... But they they ruined that later on in the movie too, so you know whatever. Yeah, and is it me or did that that boat looked awfully small, didn't it? It was tiny. <laughs> it was like the size of a of a of a like a a minivan or something like that. Yeah, maybe I was thinking more along the lines of one of those like micro cars. Yeah, it was I don't tiny. think like a smart. I mean, car? they had four people in there and they couldn't move. <laughs> or maybe. You know, this is a, here's a thought. Maybe it was actually kind of like a predecessor to a submarine where that was just the top of the ship and like the rest of it where like all their supplies and stuff was below. Huh, that could be, yeah. Or maybe it was well, like. Well, they were out of food after a day. Or maybe it was like the TARDIS where, you know, there was a little latch in the floor and it was actually really big on the inside. Maybe. Maybe. I, yeah. I, I don't know. It's the yeah. asylum. I wouldn't doubt it. They they could have had a tornado made of sharks appear in the middle of the ocean, and it would not have surprised me one bit. Yeah, well, don't get me started on that. Because, okay, I got to talk about this. What they did for the Kraken, can you tell me what that was? Embarrassing. My God. What is a Kraken? It's a gigantic octopus, right? Or... If you're going by the uh, the classic 1981 Clash of the Titans, it's a large uh, four-armed thing. Okay, I have not seen Clash of the Titans, but <sighs> wait, 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 wait. You're a geek, and you uh-huh. haven't seen the 1981 Clash of the Titans. Correct. Why? How are we friends? Wow, I didn't know that my movie choices determined whether or not we were friends. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm joking about that, but no, seriously, we'll have to uh, we'll have to do that as a movie uh some movie review someday, or, or I don't know, maybe someday if you ever uh come down to hang out, we'll we'll have to put that. I'll have to go try to see if I can wrangle a copy of that movie. But yeah, if you have a chance to see the 1981 Clash, I'm pretty sure that's when it came out, but that. The, the the first movie for Clash of the Titans, it's actually really good, especially for its time. But this Kraken, whatever it was, was a not a Kraken. A I think Kraken my agree. ass. That's what it was. B. It was. Uh, oh my god! I don't. I don't know. I don't even know what to say about it. It just pissed me off. <laughs> 
one of uh, Cthulhu's turds gain sentience? Maybe. It just, I don't know, but it just pissed me off, man. Yeah, I wasn't and, really sure what that was and either. Normally, I mean, and, and you know me, you've, we've talked movies. Normally, those kind of things, I can just be like, you know, whatever, vision, whatever. But I'm just like, what the hell are they doing? Exactly. But, well, we're getting way ahead with the Kraken, but, uh, <laughs> so as they were starting yeah, to sail. No, because the Kraken has already shown itself in the Maelstrom. Okay. Well, it didn't show itself, but you saw it underwater kind of as a figure following them. You're right. That's right. Now I remember that. Um, but yeah, and the, you know, while they're sailing that that's when we also find out that there was a, they put a curse on Odysseus where he wouldn't be able to get home for 10 years. So as they start, they start to make it to an island. Oh, the, curse which, was, the curse was to never get home. It wasn't oh, yeah. until after the sirens that he was able to get home again. Yeah. But go on. Okay. So then we get to the island, which I forgot the name of it, but this was the island where they they had the sirens, which I believe they do appear. Yeah, they do appear in the Odyssey because uh, I remember the part where they had a, they, they tied him to the, or was that? in Golden Fleece that they did that. Did um, did... I'm not sure. Okay, Wikipedia, the Odyssey. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, sometimes with, um, like I said I'm not an expert on Greek mythology, so sometimes they get stuff mixed up a bit. Um, but anyways. No. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a huge myth. I know, I don't know the basics of mythology, but I'm not a, a, a professional by any means. Yeah. And, because I, I said I think there was something similar with Jason and the Golden Fleece, but I, I'm not sure. Anyways, uh, so going moving on, so they do make it to the island, and this is where they meet Calypso, and she. We don't see Jason's men make it to the island right away. We just know uh, Odysseus just jumps into the ocean and starts swimming towards the island. Right, and, and then they're like, "We have to go after him," and she's like, "He will only make it with me." And then Cersei jumps in. We never actually see his men jump in, but obviously they do. But go on. Suspension of disbelief. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Just keep telling yourself in this movie. Suspension of disbelief. <laughs> well, anyways. Exactly. And this is one of those things that didn't really make too much sense where Callisto... Uh, was seducing Jason and wanted to make him uh, her immortal husband. And I remember they, she's talking about how she arranged this game for him, which was basically watching a couple of people who looked like they had no idea how to fight, trying to fight yep. and kill each other. Correct. And then this is where uh, Odysseus, he says that he wants to die. It's like, because, you know, it's like he has that you know, that he still has feelings for his wife, despite the fact that he's with Callisto. Right. Well, he doesn't really have a chance, a choice about being with Callisto once he gave into the Siren Song. That is true. So then Calypso brings forth the Shadow Warrior. Right. To, right. to kill him. And then we find out it's just Circe in disguise. Which is the stupidest thing. So if I'm correct here... Um, the goddess, right? She's a goddess. Calypso is a goddess. Yeah. If she's a goddess... Actually, she was a nymph. She... 
No, she called herself the goddess. Yeah, but in Greek mythology, she was just a nymph. Okay, but still, she called herself a goddess. So with that suspension of disbelief, in this movie, she is a goddess. Okay. How did she not know? (laughs) (laughs) Suspension of disbelief. No one knows. Let's just, let's familiarize ourselves with that phrase. Who knows? I know. I know, but there, there's there's suspension of disbelief, and then there's just plot hole. stupidity. Yeah, and then there's major plot holes. Yep. I was gonna say, and to me, that that is a major plot hole. That one, that one kind of ticked me off. But let's continue on with the story. Okay. So as it turns out, once uh, Odysseus breaks free of uh, Calypso's spell. That's when we find out that it really isn't an island of eternal youth and that Calypso is actually not this beautiful young woman. And she gives his men, she gives him this dust to blow in the faces of his men that would also allow him to see the truth. And this is where uh, they part ways with old Thelonious. And honestly, I I think of all the characters in this movie, he probably makes it out ahead. Yeah, I think so. Because, you know, he did mention, and you got to respect this about the character, you know, he did mention that, oh, his wife was dead, and it's like, okay, what better way for me to live out my life than, you know, in a sense of false bliss? Right. So this is where they find out that they have to go through a labyrinth, the gates, what they call it, the path of the dead. Yes. In order to be able to return. And... Oh, go ahead. Which I, I, I enjoyed the Path of the Dead because of how cheesy it was. Exactly. So they, they go into they go in through these gates, and then the ghosts, the ghosts that we never see, start talking to them. They get through that, and then one of the guys finds the buffet table. Uh, I think they wandered into catering. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then... I'm not sure what the creature was. It came looked out. like it was supposed to be a minotaur, but you know, Chad, oh, that, okay, yeah, that's that's actually a really that's a possible theory because usually when you know movies they do have a catering area. <laughs> Maybe they were think they were running short on on ideas, so they're like, "Hey, we've got all this food that we're catering. Uh, why don't we just have uh, one of the guys walk up to the?" Uh, the table there, and then we'll have the, the guy who was playing King Agamemnon. I keep mispronouncing that, but he comes yeah. back, you know, the, the, the same guy who played him played the Minotaur. And I think I liked him better in that role than as the, the other one. Right. But then, so, um, of course, you know, Odysseus comes back to save his friend. Well, the, the Minotaur has already got his buddy up against the wall by his neck and his big hand. And he sees Odysseus, so he kills his buddy right away. So instead of just leaving because the Minotaur just, like, with a flick of his wrist killed your buddy, he's going to go fight because, yep. you know, that's Odysseus. So he goes in there, and he can't do anything. And, and and actually, the Minotaur starts getting the best of him. And he's using this Trojan sword, which is not working at all. Then Cersei runs in. She's like, give me the sword. And he's like... All right. And then they have this really cheesy um Grayskull I have the power kind of catch. <laughs> did it did it I mean seriously. And then she takes the sword and she 
basically turns the Minotaur to stone by, I think, cutting it through the chest. Yes. Can't really tell because they don't show you. Um, And then Odysseus, with his flying heel kick from behind, shatters the Minotaur. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think that happened in the original version of the uh, of the Odyssey. No, what about you? no, I, I'm pretty sure it didn't. I'm and beginning then... to think that the person who wrote the script for this movie embellished a few things. Uh, you think? Wait, 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 Chad. Do you yeah. hear that sound? What's that sound? I think it's Homer it's turning it. over in his grave. <laughs> I thought it was going to be the sound of... Suspension of disbelief. <laughs> that too, suspension of disbelief. But, you know, and I'd have to say some of the Labyrinth stuff, it almost made some of the effects from the Dungeons and Dragons movie look good. No, actually, True. not almost. Uh, it it did. I mean, the stuff in the D&D movie was much better. <laughs> True. But I, can't I, even argue that. I can't even argue with that, to be honest. That is that is really true. <laughs> yeah, at least it looked like though for the Dungeons and Dragons movie, at least it looked like most of the actors were having a good time and they were actually well, except for the person playing the 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 empress. Uh, yeah. One of my my uh my old action figures as a kid would do about the same acting job as that woman did. <laughs> Fair enough. But anyways, so they they escape the uh, they escape that um, they go into some caves, and oh, I actually liked this part. They find the Cyclops. Yep, but what I th- what I thought was funny about this part is how they are talking about how, you know Odysseus and his remaining uh, man were talking yeah. about how hungry they were, and they see all this meat, and they just start eating. And this is what I meant before when it's like Callisto is not Callisto, uh, Circe is the only rational person in the party. She's like, are you sure you know what you're eating or something like that? And that's where she shows them that there's this, uh, this pot full of human remains. Yes. Those were the cheesiest, um, rubbery looking bits of human I have ever seen. <laughs> I mean, they were, they were like Halloween, like the, the, the rubber hands you buy and hang from your door at Halloween, you know? Well, you know, Chad, <laughs> Remember, this yeah. is an asylum film, so it would not surprise me if they're, uh, they said to the props department, "Okay, uh, let's see, we need a bunch of um, we need a bunch of fake body parts." Hey, wait a second, it's uh, late October. Isn't uh, Halloween Express about to have their clearance sale? <laughs> Here, here's <laughs> five hundred bucks. Go, go crazy. So anyway, um, the. Cyclops, uh, his buddy who's hiding on the other side of the cave, makes a noise. The Cyclops chases him down, smashes him with his hand. Um, at which point, Odysseus, instead of just leaving as Cersei suggested, like went out there and was like, um, I got some bicarbonate of soda. Would you like some? Yeah, it was some potion that was going to allow him to become like mightier than the gods. Because apparently the Cyclops has a, a grudge against the gods. But see, the thing is, I always thought that the Cyclopses in Greek mythology, at least most of them, were actually uh, assistants for Vulcan, or not Vulcan, um, Hephaestus. Okay, you and know, which the blacksmith one's Hephaestus? Of the gods. What's that? The blacksmith of the gods. Okay, okay, that would make sense. So 
But yeah, and this is another part where they messed up with Greek mythology. Now, granted, in the Odyssey, Odysseus does trick the the Cyclops, but he does it in a much different way. Where uh, before they blinded him, they or they they did blind him, but then they got past him by tying themselves to the bottom of his sheep. So that way, uh, when the Cyclops was feeling around you know, it would feel the sheep, but it wouldn't feel them. Right, right. And, you know, I I don't know, that scene wasn't too bad to me. I mean, obviously it didn't follow the traditional story, but if we're going by that, the whole movie didn't follow the traditional story, so. Yeah. But then, this this was the part that I found to be glaringly bad. So they leave the Cyclopses, they leave the Cyclopses' cave. They walk out onto the beach, and lo and behold, their mighty ship is there. Well, Calypso did say she was going to leave a, a present for him. Okay. All right. I guess. I'll go with it. Chad, say it <laughs> yes. with me now. Suspension, Suspension of, disbelief. of disbelief. Yes, exactly. So I know. Okay, so they finally get back to Greece after uh, how many decades? And, you know, and this is, I believe, was also uh, accurate where Odysseus, because uh, I guess he realized that his wife would be having suitors. So, or not, sorry, not Greece, Ithaca. And he went in disguised as a beggar, which I believe that was mm-hmm. actually accurate to the mythology. I but, believe so as well. And this is where his son comes up to him and he, Odysseus, realizes that this is his son. And then he, uh, Odysseus' son, buys it and realizes this is his dad. And it's like, okay, if your long-lost dad, uh, who you think might possibly be dead, comes up to you, disguises a beggar, and then says, let's plot, I'm your long-lost dad, and let's plot to retake the throne. Would you go along with it, or would you ask for a little bit more proof? Yeah, I guess I'd ask for a little more proof, but they were running out of their hour and 37 minutes at this point. Yeah, they were starting to get low on budget, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and, and... You're right, though. He's like, he's like, I am Odysseus, king of Ithaca. And he's like, sweet, let's go kill some guys. <laughs> now, the next part here, because before he returns home, Again, the uh, the suitors, and I forgot the name of the lead one, you know, they were, you know, demanding that uh, his wife get remarried. Right, because the, ma- the the people of Ithaca wouldn't follow a woman. Oh, exactly. <laughs> and, th- again, this is another one of those things that is actually, um, does actually agree somewhat with mythology, this next part, because... Uh, she proposed a challenge that, okay, the suitor would be the one who would be able to spring to string Odysseus's bow, and you know, and there's more to that. Yep, and then they'd have to shoot it through five rings. Now, the first part of that is accurate. That uh, supposedly Odysseus's bow was so powerful that he was the only person who would be able to string it. Mm-hmm. This is the scene I was talking about before that really bothered me. Okay. First of all, didn't that bowl look a bit modern to you? Oh, yeah, like about 1995 or so. Well, was, yeah, I mean, that style of recurve bowl, I 
pretty sure it didn't exist in uh, uh, Recurve. And that was the, the funniest thing I thought about it was the fact that it wasn't made of wood. It was made of like uh, uh, whatever they make bows out of, some sort of fiberglass alloy. Yeah, and you could kind of tell that the string was even nylon. Yes. But here's the other thing that really bothered me. He wasn't stringing it correctly. I mean, come on. They had to have hired someone to be like a fight and stunt coordinator. You would think think that that person would know how to correctly string a bow. What do you need that for? It's an asylum movie. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm sorry. Suspension of disbelief. How many times have we said that phrase during this movie? Oh God! Ironically, or not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. No. You know what? Ironically, sh- ironically, we've said it about three times. Not ironically, probably another handful. I mean, it was. There are now, and I'm going to get to this when I talk about what I'm going to rate this this movie. But there were parts of it that were very annoying, like the size of the um, the five rings that they had to shoot through. The feathers were too big to go through them. Yeah, somehow. It's not as unlikely as you would think. I remember watching this one show. Well, see, the thing is, first of all, if that bow was had a really heavy draw weight where it was able to shoot that arrow at a high velocity, the feathers would, you know, the, the rings. Since oh, I were, suppose, yeah. Yeah, but... Many years ago, there was some show I was watching where it was it was like a That's Incredible type show. And there was this guy, they balanced an aspirin on a pole, and the guy was able to shoot it. And this guy could also do other cool things like they threw a wedding ring up in the air, and he was able to shoot it through the, through the ring. So I, I don't know. I call I call a little BS on that, but go on. Anyways, so suspension of disbelief, but... Uh, in an actual mythology, he actually shot through twelve arrow, like it was like ten or twelve axe heads. But okay. this is the other thing that really bothered me. I don't know if you, Chad. Yeah. Did you notice something unusual about the scene where, okay, he strings the bow incorrectly, he shoots mm-hmm. the bow, and then he takes off his cloak. No, I must have missed this, but I'm sure once you point it out to me, I'll be like, ah, yeah. It's one of those things that you had to watch very carefully in order to catch. Okay, I already pointed out before that he was stringing the bow incorrectly. Yes. When he pulls the bow back to shoot the arrow, it's magically strung correctly. And not only that, he's shooting it left-handed. And so far in the the movie, we've seen him fight right-handed. Now, granted, I suppose it's possible that maybe he's better at right-handed fighting with a, you know, with a sword, but maybe he's left-eye dominant, and maybe he did have to shoot uh, with, you know, maybe ah. he did have to shoot like that. Okay, we, we can, maybe ah. we can give that a pass, but here's the other ah. thing. My friend. Yes. I have something to tell you. Okay. I do not fight left-handed. Oh, Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, why are you smiling? I know something you do not know. Yes. I forgot the exact wording, but yes. You I know. am not left-handed. Okay, Chad, now <laughs> you're making me want to go watch a good movie. Well, you know, there's that option. Well, we, well, we haven't rated it yet, but but Chad, 
Yes. Here's the thing that really bothered me. Okay, like I said, the bow goes from being strung uncorrectly to uh-huh. being strung correctly. Then when he takes off the cloak and introduces himself as Odysseus and the the, the main suitor, the big bad guy, says, like, it isn't possible, the mm-hmm. bow is strung incorrectly again. Then when it cuts back away to the fight scene, it's strung the right way. Okay, I guess I didn't watch it that closely. How many times did you watch this movie? Uh, more than enough. No, just, I, I watched the entire thing once, but then I went back and watched bits and pieces here and there to refresh myself. But, you know, like I said, if you go back, you'll notice that it's very quick. So probably what they did is, you know, I, I this is just, you know, not only is it a huge continuity error, well, not really a huge mm-hmm. one, but if you if you know what you're looking for, it's it's glaringly obvious. But um, like I said, it, it probably what they did when they were filming, it's like okay, they filmed them stringing the bow, and then they filmed them right away saying that he was Odysseus, and oh, it's not possible. And then yeah, I don't know. Like I said, go back, you'll notice it. It's quick, but. I swear, that's that's what I saw. <laughs> and 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 I believe you. It's just I I guess I didn't watch it that closely, um, and I only did watch it once because I didn't get a chance to watch it till last night. But uh, you know, stuff like that usually doesn't bother me. I may see them, but it doesn't always uh, bother me because it's I get it. I I've done stage acting for a lot of years. And you get a lot of continuity issues in that because you use what you've got kind of thing, you know, so. Well, um, and I guess because, okay, I taught archery for a few years at a Boy Scout camp. So I guess that's why it bothers me. Um, And I, I guess it all depends on how, you know, how well you know what uh you're looking at. Like if you're watching, let's just say you're watching a sword fighting scene. Well, the average person you're going to meet on the street nowadays doesn't really know anything about sword fighting. So, but if you like, well, at the martial arts studio I go to, uh, there's a group that meets there after us that they're one of those historical martial arts associations where, you know, they, they do like the, uh, you know, the, the two handed swords and the, um, you know, the, the European martial arts. So I'm sure if, we were to sit down with one of those guys and watch a sword fighting scene in, you know, like a Robin Hood or a King Arthur movie, they might notice things that someone who doesn't really know anything about sword fighting probably wouldn't either wouldn't notice or wouldn't think to look for. Absolutely. Uh, And that's the thing is, but do they let that ruin their viewing experience? You know what I mean? Yeah, possibly. And, you know, again, like our friend Dawn, she's, well, she's studied dance and she's an experienced dancer. So mm-hmm. if we were to, you know, watch like, you know, Dancing with the Stars or some dancing based reality show uh, with her, you know, obviously she's going to pick up on things that we wouldn't pick up on because we're not trained dancers. You know, because I do the truffle shuffle and that's it. Yeah. And unless someone does something painfully obvious, like fall flat on their face, right. you know, we might not we might not notice things like maybe someone they're not pivoting correctly or you know some footwork is wrong. But anyways, I digress. So 
Anyway, so should we get around to, to, to rating this thing? Well, we have the, the big climactic fight scene. I, I thought we talked about that. Okay. No, but, well, this is when they start the fight scene afterwards where uh, it's basically Odysseus and his son against the suitors. And this is where what? I have to say, apparently Odysseus's son is more of a badass than he is. Because you'll notice what? that Odysseus is only fighting one of the suitors. Apparently his son is holding off the other eight or nine guys. Right. So he could have that fair fight, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And, and I don't know. It even seemed that Odysseus was, uh, wasn't doing as well as you think he would against the, the main bad guy. Well, he's 20 years older than that main bad guy, most likely at this yeah, point. Yeah. So yeah. after the fight scene, then this is where we finally, the Kraken finally gets its big scene. Oh, does, do we have to talk about this? We might as well. We've slogged through this much of the movie. We might as well talk about the Kraken. Oh, okay. All right. Let me, let me, let me, let me steal myself here for a second. <laughs> big breath. All right. Let's do this. So, you know, uh, Cersei, uh, well, you hear the Kraken because the, the, the whole island of Ithaca starts to rumble. And he just got home to Penelope, his wife. They just shared this very wet kiss. I don't know what that was. It was kind of disgusting. And he's like, I've got to go fight this thing or it will, it will follow me forever. And my first thought was, it's a Kraken. It can't get out of the water but I'll get to that. <laughs> so he goes running off. Oh wait, Cersei stops him first and says, I will be with you. And he's like, no, this, it wants me, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so, but in the end they decide, yep, Cersei's going to go with him. So he goes down there, he starts farting the crack and there's some like city guard guys down there getting eaten up and stuff. And, uh, he gets down there and he starts fighting this kraken, which is I don't know some sort of a of a quadrupod. It almost looks like um, oh what are the D, what are the um, the trash compactors in D and D um, the four legged things with the mouth on the head. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? I don't. I almost thought it looked more, look more like a carrion crawler than uh, whatever you're thinking of. I I mean I probably would know the name if um oh it's an agatha. Agatum? Yeah, something like that. Anyway, um, it kind of reminded me of that. but And it has a few flangly, you know, um, octopus arms. And, uh... Like I said, it's like one of Cthulhu's turds gained sentience. Right. So he's fighting this thing getting nowhere. It's it's beating the hell out of him. It's going to eat him. Cersei comes over and goes, give me your cloak and your sword. And I'm like, okay, let's say this works. Because the Kraken's right there watching you. But, okay, let's say this works. So there's a cut scene. You come back. There's Cersei. She's got her sword. She's got her cloak. He's got, she's got her cloak on it. And she, like, yells at it, come get me, blah, 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 you know, kind of thing. And it turns on her, and she flips open the hood, and she, like, runs into it. And it's like it's like one of those moments from Men in Black where, where Agent K is, like, to the – to the to the big cockroach, eat me, eat me, <laughs> kind of thing, you know. And, and so the kraken eats her with this magic sword and this cloak, and she goes inside. 
she cuts it open. I don't know. They made this little bright line on it for a second. She slides yeah. out of it. She slides out of it. The Kraken turns to Voldemort dust, goes away, and uh, she's dead. I, I I don't know. I don't know how she died. It doesn't make any damn sense. The Kraken pisses me off. The whole final scene, I was just like, what a waste of celluloid. I know it's <laughs> digital now, but what a waste of celluloid. Oh. <laughs> So what did you think of the final scene? Uh, yeah, it was boring. And like I said, it just seemed... I mean, you knew they were going to have to deal with the Kraken sooner or later. I Honestly, I forgot about the fucking Kraken, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. I just... Uh, yeah, it just seemed... And you were saying, it's like, okay, they're trying to do this disguise thing right in front of the thing. And it's like... I mean, maybe it was still busy chewing on one of Odysseus's men or something. I don't know, but I don't know. maybe it closed its eyes. They were like, "Hey, Kraken!" He's like, "What?" He's like, "Look over there!" Five seconds. Yeah, it's Elvis. Where? I'm sorry, but the stop motion Kraken from Clash of the Titans is yeah. more intimidating and looked better than that thing did. I, you know what? I, I've never seen Clash of the Titans, but I'm going to agree with you because this Kraken sucked. <laughs> Do it. Like I said, I, I'm sure, I'm sure it's probably on YouTube somewhere. I don't, I don't think it's on Netflix yet, but like I said, <sighs> definitely go see the classic Clash of the Titans. You will not be sorry. Plus, they've got this nifty right. little mechanical owl in there. You know, and I was I actually, like, I like mechanical things. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, you know, I remember the, see, that movie did have, and actually some of the other movies they released around that time in the same vein, they had an interesting uh, flavor to them. And one of the scenes that always stuck with me is um, when they would show the gods on Mount Olympus, there was this, Mm -hmm. like, shelf in the background that had little figures representing people and stuff. And, uh, like, uh, you could tell that. Um, Zeus was doing something to manipulate the actions and you know with the figures and I used to think it's like is God up there with like little figures of everybody oh god are we all like maybe like the gods up there are like playing Dungeons and Dragons or something similar and we're just all their their player characters we're just we're just all like knickknacks for the gods yeah pretty much kind of makes you feel insignificant right uh, not any more than normal. But anyways, so the movie <laughs> ends. Uh, the movie finally ends, and uh, Odysseus and his family give Cersei a funeral, and she like Odysseus like kisses this dead woman right in front of his wife and kid. Yeah, yeah. I, that. I, I thought that was odd. But One more I'm like, time. Ten, I'm like, you spent ten years with this woman, and you didn't tap that because I'm just saying. <laughs> and uh, one more time for the last time this episode suspension, suspension of, of disbelief. disbelief yes so let's rate this beast okay scale of would one to like, five would you like me to go first yes please all right i thought overall i enjoyed the movie were there problems with the movie yes were there things that were done really well i thought so I, get, I I would honestly watch this movie again. I mean, not like tonight, but I would watch this movie again. I would actually give this movie about a three and a half. 
You're much more generous than I would. I would probably give it about a one and a half, maybe a two, because while it's not the worst movie I've ever seen, definitely not the best, I could see it being one of those movies where it can be kind of fun to watch with your friends. Like, Oh, absolutely. I mean, what you might remember several years ago, not several years ago, uh, several episodes ago, uh, Dawn and I did a review of another Netflix movie called Cowboys and Dinosaurs. It's because, you know, she was over at our house and just flipping through Netflix. It's like, hey, Cowboys and Dinosaurs, let's let's watch it. And it's like, you know, we should really record an episode about this. Um, But yeah, it's one of those kind of movies. And I'll leave, I'll say it. It's um it's similar to The Room, where you know, the Tommy Wiseau movie where it's not one of those movies that I could imagine watching just for the sake of watching. But I think mm-hmm. you can still have some fun watching it with your friends to make fun of it. Fair enough. I could do that as well, but I think I could actually sit down and watch this movie again. I, I actually Enjoyed it. Okay, well, yeah, fair enough. Uh, like I said, we all have our different tastes in movies, and I, I know we, I think we can both agree that it's better than Revenge of the Bridesmaids. Yes, I think I gave Revenge of the Bridesmaids a one. <laughs> yeah, I think we both get we we both rated it pretty low. I, I think I even gave it like maybe a half. See, but I think we've learned a lesson here. You should pick a movie every once in a while because I pick horrible movies. <laughs> well, see, the thing is because, okay, f- for the listeners, our original plan was because uh, we did an, a review of uh, The Five Venoms. Yes. And I wanted to try to look for, you know, like a 60s, 70s old kung fu action flick to review. But when I was looking through Netflix, I couldn't find anything. I mean, there were, of course, martial arts movies on there, but they were more recent ones, which some of them looked interesting. Maybe we'll go take a look at those, but I don't know. I was just in the mood to do some, like, you know, old 60s kung fu movie. But anyways, we did Troy, The Suspension of Disbelief instead. Yes. Now, I do want to bring one thing up before we wrap up this episode. What's that? As, as we all know... Um, Toys R Us, starting today, uh, the 23rd of March, uh, is going out of business. They are Rest no longer peace. going to be are, are, are no longer going to be um, in operation. I think I think they have six months or something like that to close down. But interesting news. Do you know the name Charles Lazarus? Doesn't sound familiar. Okay, Charles Lazarus is the founder of Toys R Us, and he passed away yesterday. At the age of 94. So it's kind of a sad day for toy junkies. Yeah. Which I happen to know Al is. <laughs> yeah, and actually, because I do collect Transformers, but I don't collect as many as I used to. I mean, mm-hmm. if there's one that's like a character that I really liked, um, I might get it if I think it looks cool. But actually, I still, even though I don't buy a lot of them anymore, I still like going to the toy section just to look. Now, did you ever uh, did you ever collect Transformers when you were a kid? Um, a little bit. I had like a big plastic Optimus Prime. Um, back in the probably the mid eighties, 
Um, and I think I had like a big plastic bumblebee, uh, but never, never like on a, on a big scale of any sort. I was more into Voltron. Oh yeah. And they have new I Voltron the, stuff too. So, but I know I had the big metal Voltron from back in the late eighties. Nice. See, cause one of the things I do like about, uh, there's this one line they do called generations and they do modern reinterpretations of a lot of classic characters. So I really like what they've done with that line because there's a lot of them where it's like, okay, you can definitely tell what character it's based off of, even if it's not in the packaging, but obvious, you know, it still has that, it still homages the original, Mm -hmm. but again, it's done using better, you know, better technology. So they're always fun to look at, even if I don't have any intention of buying them. I agree. I go to, I go to toy stores a lot just to look, I mean... I, I don't have the room or the money to spend on toys most of the time, so it, it's it's still fun to go look. Oh yeah, of course. And but it, anyways, I think we've uh, gotten off topic a little bit, but hey, it yeah. happens. Well, with that said, I'd like to thank you all for joining us today, everyone, and have a good evening or morning or afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are, and. We'll catch you next time. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at poigamestudio. Do you do a podcast about Dungeons and Dragons, role-playing games, video games, or other topics of geek interest? Would you like to cross-promote your podcast on geekery in general? Then drop us a line on our Facebook page at POI Game Studio or POI Network, or contact us through our website at POIGamestudio.com, and we'll set something up.